Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to uh, the Black Financial Channel. This is the BlackFinancialChannel.com. Uh, let's talk. I want to talk about crypto and Bitcoin. Uh, a lot of you are owners of Bitcoin and crypto, and uh, you've got a lot going on in the crypto space. Um, I thought that I would uh, have a conversation about uh, th- what's been going on. Um, there's a 12% drop in the price of Bitcoin this week, uh, which is the first drop in a while. Now, mind you, the 12% drop is not uh, something to be afraid of, uh, in my view, uh, because uh, remember that the 12% drop is on the back of a overall um, <clears throat> was a 35% increase for this past month, and it's gone up 284% over the last year. So uh, Bitcoin, something that you could have bought for as little as um, maybe about four or five thousand dollars, actually three thousand thirty nine dollars in March of 2020, you could have bought it for three thousand dollars. Now it costs about thirty-two thousand or something like that. Thirty-two thousand two forty-three. Um, I think you're doing okay. So anyway, if you are a crypto investor or are interested in crypto investing, uh, put a yes in the chat if you've been investing in Bitcoin or crypto or anything else. And uh, also, um, if you want to see the crypto that's actually in my portfolio, you can go to drboyscrypto.com. I took a screenshot of some of the coins that I own. If you're looking for um, any you know feedback in terms of uh, what I'm buying now, <clears throat> now uh, I've got a guest that's going to come in a little bit, and I think he's working on his, his uh, camera. So while that happens, what I want to do is kind of talk to you guys about what I've been seeing with crypto and why the crypto market's been acting a little bit weird. Um, basically, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, has some, said some things that I find to be a little bit disturbing about, you know, in terms of the short term uh, possibilities of crypto. Uh, Janet Yellen, the incoming Treasury Secretary under the Biden administration, has basically said that she wants to propose a new set of rules uh, regarding crypto and some of the crypto networks. Uh, she says she wants to examine ways in which we can curtail their use, uh, meaning cryptocurrency, and make sure that money laundering doesn't occur through those channels. Uh, So that means that she wants to um, basically kind of toggle with one of the great advantages of a lot of cryptocurrency, which is the anonymity, the ability to do transfers without going through the financial system. Uh, I think she's saying, look, we want to jump in. We want to invoke the financial system uh, to stop these transactions. And I think that's a real threat. Um, Here's more. This is from Wired Magazine. It says blockchain based financial networks are attractive to criminals because they do not require users to identify themselves as the law requires most conventional financial networks to do. Because no individual or organization controls these networks, there's no easy way for governments to force them to comply with money laundering standards. So remember before you had the whole thing with, um, with uh, a lot of these account, these bank accounts in, in other uh, countries, you know, in the Bahamas or wherever, and, uh, you know, or Swiss bank accounts, Uh, for example, a lot of people had Swiss bank accounts because in Switzerland, they wouldn't comply with the banks and tell them, you know, whose money is where and all this other stuff. Well, eventually that all got shut down. Eventually uh, they forced them to comply. And then a lot of millionaires got in trouble for tax evasion. And so um, what, it, what, what, she, what it also says here is that instead of trying to force the networks to comply, regulators in the U.S. and many jurisdictions have focused on regulating Bitcoin exchanges that help users trade between dollars and cryptocurrencies. So that's like Coinbase, where you can actually trade fiat currency for your Bitcoin. Once a Bitcoin exchange identifies who initially received a particular Bitcoin payment, law enforcement can often trace subsequent payments through a blockchain network's open payment ledger. Uh, In December, Trump's outgoing team at the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, a unit of the Treasury Department focused on money laundering, 
proposed a new set of rules to tighten the screws on cryptocurrency-based money laundering. Under the new rules, cryptocurrency-based exchanges would need to file transaction reports with um, FinCEN. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure what the acronym means. I, I apologize for that. Anytime a customer made a cryptocurrency transaction worth more than $10,000. This would mirror existing rules requiring conventional banks to report when customers make cash withdrawals or deposits worth more than ten thousand dollars. So um, uh, uh, let's see. So so basically what you're dealing with here is you have a situation where uh, let's see. Endoral says it's a it's a privacy violation. I'm not going to argue with that. I, I am going to say that it does kind of dampen the enthusiasm that a lot of investors had when it came to crypto. Um, I know that, it you know, it kind of it annoys me a little bit, but then again, though, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, push dope on, you know, <laughs> you know, push dope through the crypto network, right? I'm just trying to actually buy crypto uh, for investment purposes, mostly. Uh, now, uh, reading a little bit more, it says even more controversial in the cryptocurrency world, FinCEN wants to impose new record keeping requirements for transactions involving users who manage their own private keys, dubbed unhosted wallets by FinCEN. Under FinCEN's proposal, if a cryptocurrency exchange's customer sends more than $3,000 to an unhosted wallet, the exchange would be required to keep a record of the transaction, including the identity of the customer who initiated the payment. These new rules didn't take effect before Trump left office, so the incoming Biden team would need to decide what to do with them. The Biden administration could sign off on the existing rules, rewrite them, or scrap them altogether. Yellen's comments on Tuesday suggest that she is unlikely to scrap the rules. If anything, the Treasury Department is likely to consider additional regulations of the blockchain economy over the next four years. Uh, now, I, I, I've got a guest that's uh, on his way in who's going to kind of break some of this down. Uh, it looks like he's still getting his camera ready. So just give me a thumbs up, Ian, when you're, when you're ready to come on. Uh, but basically, um, what I'm seeing here is that Janet Yellen does not appear to be somebody who is crypto friendly. Uh, she comes off as somebody that is going to dampen the market, uh, somebody that isn't enthusiastic about the crypto market. And I think that, you know, I'm guessing that the regulators see the blockchain economy and the blockchain network as some as a threat. Uh, that they want to control before it gets too big. I think they see this as something where a lot of money is going to be made. A lot of transactions are going to occur and they won't get their cut. And so I believe that the government always steps in to try to get their cut. And so, um, you know, so, so I'm not happy with any of this, but it is what it is. Uh, so you've probably seen this happen with your crypto, um, your, your, your crypto portfolio. Uh, I'm going to bring in my guest. And also, before I do that, could you please hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. We're building black owned media, so we need your help. So right now, if everybody could do this, please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. And also, if you go to drvoicecrypto.com, you can actually see the crypto that I own in case you want to just look at my portfolio on that. Feel free to do that. So I've got my friend Ian here. Um, uh, from Token Metrics. How you doing today, brother? Doing great, thanks. All Not right, all right. We, got, we got a camera working, right? We ready to rock and roll? Yes, yeah. Okay, all right. So Ian is the, um, are you the founder and CEO of Token Metrics? Is that accurate to yes, say? Yes, yeah, founder and CEO of Token Metrics. He's the founder and CEO of Token Metrics. Uh, Ian lives deep in the crypto space. Uh, he actually, he, Ian became famous because Ian had a portfolio online that he shared where he took $20,000 and turned it into $5 million. Tell me if I'm lying on you, Ian. If that, if that, is um, that accurate? Yes, yeah. That's yeah, so, so this brother created $5 million in, in crypto and he did it in front of the world. So he became super famous for good reason. He deserves it. And so I'm going to welcome Ian uh, to the space. How you doing today, brother? Doing well, doing well. Uh, crypto is doing well, <laughs> which is always good. 
definitely here to kind of share my knowledge that I've learned and to all help right, all right. people come up. Okay, so what I'm going to do, Ian, is I'm going to shut up then and ask you, um, what are you seeing right now? I, I'm a little bit disturbed by uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen. We can start there. Uh, that's that's That bothers me um, as a crypto investor. Should I be bothered about what she's been saying? Uh, I don't think so. Because if you listen to the full interview, the way they framed the question was in regards to terrorist financing. So the only way to really answer that, especially her as a regulator, was in that manner. right? So governments really do want to foster innovation and technology because they're seeing, for example, China is launching its own cryptocurrency and all these other countries. So for the U.S. to stay ahead of, ahead of other countries or to just keep pace, they have to innovate. Even in, in the last year, around uh, the last bill and the stimulus package, there was an option to possibly create a digital dollar. So the government is already heading towards there. And they, they actually want to create crypto for stable coins for the government because they can now monitor anybody online. And they see the future of money is going online. So I think they're just looking to clean up the space to make things a lot more mature. But I don't really think they're trying to hinder or halt innovation at all. Hmm. So so you think that the the cleaning up process is going to uh, do more good than, than harm, meaning in terms of participation, demand for crypto, us feeling safe. And I, and I see that, right? Uh, when there are um, when you have the financial police, so to speak, kind of around. It's like a neighborhood. You know, if the police are around, everybody feels safe and there's, you know, people bring their kids and, you know, like Times Square, you know, there's a time where you didn't take your kids to Times Square because it was dangerous, but then they made it safe and everyone wanted to go there for a tourist attraction. But then it almost seems like with crypto, you're losing something because uh, there's this conversation about, you know, how much of the uh, market from crypto is being driven by people that don't want to be seen, that want to be, that like the anonymity, whether you're talking about people that are engaged in uh, illegal activity or just people who want their privacy. Um, what percentage of the market do you think is driven by people that just don't want the government in their business? Oh, um, I would say probably about half, honestly, because mm. the early adopters of cryptocurrency were people who, who, had, who had libertarian principles in general, right? People who wanted small government, wanted to have their own money and money not controlled by any, anybody. So back in 2013, the early birds in crypto had that same mindset. But over time, over each bull run, new people have entered the space. So back in 2017, you had people who were not so much in crypto for the libertarian ideals, but were more of retail investors and traders. And now in 2020 and 2021, we have institutions entering crypto from uh, JP Morgan, Samsung, Facebook, uh, all these hedge funds entering the crypto space, they don't totally have a different idea and philosophy. So I think that as the market gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it's now becoming more of a melting pot in terms of what people believe in. Hmm. Okay. So, so Ian, um, and what's your last name, Ian? I want to make sure. Belina? But Belina, how do I spell that? B-A-L-I-N-A. B-A-L-I-N-A. Okay. So everybody, I'm speaking with Ian Belima, Belina, who mm -hmm. is the uh, CEO and founder of Token Metrics, and we're talking about what's going on in the, in the world of crypto and what's happening with Bitcoin and everything else. Um, <clears throat> hit the thumbs up button if you haven't done it yet. So, um, you know, in, in a way, what, I, what I'm hearing is I'm hearing, you know, two competing <clears throat> kinds of ideas, um, both of which can be good for crypto, one short-term, one long-term. The first thing I'm hearing, uh, well, what I was initially hearing from Yellen was, 
this idea that she wanted to curtail the use of, of crypto. When she, when she used that word curtail, right, <clears throat> we want to curtail their use. Um, you're, you're saying that she wants to curtail the use by certain people, but not stifle innovation for everybody, no. right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, definitely by policing crypto a lot more, it will definitely add some additional friction. But I think it benefits crypto long term because the market mm. will get bigger. Okay. Okay. And um, okay. And the reason it's going to get bigger, in your view, which which makes sense, I'm just I'm I'm just trying to piece it together, is uh, is because you've got these institutional investors that are stepping in that are going to just boost up the market. So whatever you lose when the criminals leave town, you're going to gain because the, the legit folks are coming in with billions of dollars. And that's actually going to strengthen cryptocurrency uh, more than you know what you actually lose. Correct? Yes. Right. Because if you're a hedge fund manager on Wall Street and you want to allocate capital to crypto, the only asset, the only cryptocurrency available really is Bitcoin. Now, n- next month, Ethereum will also be launching the Ethereum futures contract on, uh, I believe, the CME. So now institutions will also be able to buy Ethereum as well. And I think over time, this will happen for lots of cryptocurrencies. So it's basically going down the market cap line from Bitcoin to Ethereum. But eventually, crypto is the new stock market. And I think for it to do that, it has to become regulated like the stock market. And that takes time. And I know people in crypto might not like that philosophy. It's almost kind of like they're selling out, so to speak. But I think long-term is still much, much better, right? Especially going back to governments. Governments realize that it's better to have digital currencies. That's why the European bank, that's why China and America are looking towards creating their own digital currencies. And it's also easier for for them to tax people digitally, right? Because let's say every time you make money, they can track it. Or let's say they want to do a stimulus bill. They can just airdrop everybody digital money, right? So every industry has been disrupted and now it's happening to money, right? Mm -hmm. And I think once governments issue digital currencies to their people, that's the biggest marketing engine for crypto because now everybody becomes a crypto user automatically overnight. Mm, interesting. Okay, so 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 it sounds to me like you might agree that the pandemic drove a lot of this innovation as well, that, that now everyone's, China and the US in particular, but as well as other countries around the world are all saying, okay, let's go ahead and really digitize currency. What, what do you think about the competing um, realities between, you know, sort of asking, okay, as we go digital with Bitcoin and everything down the line, uh, what does that do to fiat currency? I mean, it, it, do you think that there's a conflict of interest to expect the government to want uh, extensive innovation in cryptocurrency when they're not necessarily always going to be the direct beneficiaries of it? Or do you think that the regulation might allow them to properly tax it so they're not really concerned? Or what do you think? Um, I think it's both, right? Governments realize they're lagging behind, right? And if they don't innovate, if they don't catch up, then they'll get left behind. But I think fiat currencies, honestly, are going to become obsolete eventually. Um, I think everything is going digital. Because, for example, I've been to Stockholm, Sweden, which is really the, the, the model of a cashless society. You go there, it's very hard to spend cash. Everything is done via credit cards. And even them, they're now looking towards creating their own digital currency. So, now, 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 where was this again? Stockholm, Sweden. Stockholm, okay. Yes, yeah. So you go over there, I think over 90% of their transactions are in cards. 
right? It's very hard to spend cash over there. And I think that's going to apply to lots of countries eventually, whether it's five years, 20 years down the road. Cash really, from a regulator standpoint, cash is very hard to regulate because people can keep money. And I mean, one funny thing in crypto is we joke that people say crypto is used, used, used for uh, bad things, but there's been more fines for people using money with fiat, not so much with crypto or Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, like, there's, there's, for example, like JP Morgan was fined for like some, I think it was like money laundering or not doing KYC a, a while back. And that was over $15 billion, I believe. Right. So cash is very, very, uh, for lack of a better word, <laughs> dirty. But if you can regulate that and bring that online, you can really clean clean things up a lot faster. Okay. So when you bring it online and you look at the competing relationship between the dollar, digital or otherwise, and crypto, um, you know, Bitcoin goes up because the dollar is going down in value, which it's always been. I mean, inflation has always existed. Um, is do, do you see there being kind of a conflict of interest there? Uh, maybe a concern that the dollar could just become you know meaningless and worthless because we're going to these other means of 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 of, of um, economic transition of value. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I think that fear is definitely there. Uh, the dollar can become worthless uh, because historically speaking, no currency lasts forever. Whether it's the dollar, I mean, in terms of being the res- the global reserve currency, so. I, I definitely think there is an end in sight, um, whether it's the dollar crashing and getting devalued and whether it's Bitcoin becoming the Internet's reserve currency, whether it's the Chinese yuan uh, or renminbi. So it it varies. But I think, yes, regulators do have that concern that the dollar can get left behind and not really be worthless, uh, worth anything. But I think for that to happen, Lots of things have to play out. So I think it's possible, but there's a very, very, it's a basically, it's a black swan event in, in my eyes. And I think regulators know that for them to maintain the dollar as a global reserve currency, they have to innovate. And that's why they're becoming friendlier towards crypto. Because in the past, crypto was basically just laughed at uh, as just quirky thing. But as they see this getting bigger and bigger and bigger, they know this is a, a rocket ship that has, has launched and they can't stop it. The only, mm-hmm. the only way to get ahead of it is to accept it. Uh, so there was a quote by uh, by Reagan back in the 80s. I, th- I think it was some, something like, uh, first you tax it, then you, like to control something, you have to, you have to tax it. <laughs> I forget the, the actual quote, but uh, it was it was really just kind of more in principle of, first, you have to incentivize people to do what you want. And you, you can do that through taxes and regulation. Hmm. Okay, so Ethereum. Um, you 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 seem to be a fan of Ethereum. Uh, you mentioned going to an Ethereum um, developers conference, and you were excited about all the different things people are doing with Ethereum. And then you mentioned uh, the Ethereum futures are coming out uh, very soon. Is is that a, a bonus? I mean, it, you know, Ethereum's gone up about one hundred and six percent in the last thirty days. So you see a lot more upside in that currency due to all these uh, changes. Yeah, I think Ethereum is the next Bitcoin. Uh, even though I'm in crypto, I don't own any Bitcoin. I'm all in on Ethereum because Ethereum is doing what Bitcoin is doing and taking this to a whole different level because people can view Bitcoin as digital gold. But 
that market is while it's huge, Ethereum, the best way to explain it is they're building a virtual computer that lets people build these centralized applications, applications that are not controlled by anybody, no government, no central bank, no central authority. These are applications that technically could last forever. And the way to, to view Ethereum is imagine Microsoft back in the 90s. Microsoft, uh, Bill Gates became a billionaire and the richest person in the world for a long time by building a platform, Windows, that let people build software applications. Hmm. So Ethereum is doing the same thing on the blockchain. So Ethereum, in a way, is hmm. the future Microsoft in my eyes, right? But I think that market of building a platform for software applications is much, much bigger than digital gold. Uh, for example, everyone keeps talking about how institutions will come into crypto and blockchain. Uh, for example, the World Economic Forum predicts by 2027 that 10% of the world's GDP will become tokenized. That adds up to about 9 to $10 trillion. If that gets tokenized, right now the best platform for t- tokenization is Ethereum. Right? So I think Ethereum really has a monopoly. And right now Ethereum is working towards launching ETH 2.0, which is basically a new version that will scale a lot better. So all this money on Wall Street and all this money coming in that wants to get tokenized will have to happen on Ethereum blockchain because Bitcoin is not really designed to run applications. Bitcoin is designed to be a currency, even though it's now not really being used as a currency. It's now being used more as gold, more as almost kind of like a digital precious metal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... The, the platform of having people build any kind of application that's, that can run forever, not controlled by anybody, I think is huge. Because let, let's take, for example, just the derivatives market. That's estimates of that's over $500 trillion. If part of that, or, or even all of it, moves onto the blockchain, it has to move on, onto Ethereum. Ethereum is the only blockchain right now that can support that. And in the future, I think we'll, we'll support that as well. Especially with ETH 2.0, ETH 2.0 is taking Ethereum at its current level and making it scale a lot faster, meaning that faster transactions, more processing power, being able to support applications that can really build the future of the internet. That's why uh, Ethereum and blockchain in general is called Web Web 3.0. Web 1 was basically the 1990s. Web 2 was social media. And Web 3 are applications that can be powerful, and not really controlled by anybody, the centralized applications. Wow. Um, everybody, I'm speaking with Ian Bellina. Ian is the founder of Token Metrics, um, which uh, <clears throat> does a lot of things uh, in the crypto space. And um, and by the way, Ian, um, uh, people asking for your social media. Um, how, how can mm-hmm. I, uh, how can they get in touch with you? I'll type it in here. Yes. Uh, at Diary of a Made Man. Diary of a Made Man. Yeah, I can type it here. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I, I um I was actually going to put it in there for you. Uh, is that right? Yes. Okay, there man. we go. There we go. So, so anybody wants to follow Ian can follow him at Diary of a Made Man. Now, where did that come from? Oh, um, it came from from graduating from college uh, from grad school. Uh, I went from basically being broke, <laughs> and when I got my first job overnight to having money, and so I was I was joking around. I was like, I went from barely having enough money to buy a Happy Meal at McDonald's to not having to worry about money again, right? Wow. And that's when I realized all those 
the the time in school because I majored in computer engineering, right? All the hard time studying, the exams, the classes. At that point in time, I then realized that the struggle was worth it, mm-hmm. right? So kind of like to borrow the concept from from like uh, uh, mafia movies, like Goodfellas and all that. I went from like somebody who was grinding and hustling to now finally making it, right? Kind of like the whole phrase of mama, I made it. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, um, and that's important because um, a lot of people don't make that sacrifice. You know, when I was in grad school in my twenties, I I was in school for a really long time and nobody in my family did anything like that. And I I remember thinking, you know, when I was like 27, still in school, I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to spend a few years living like nobody else will. So I could spend the rest of my life living like nobody else can. And um, and the rewards were even greater than I thought they'd be. And I, I knew they'd be good, but I didn't know they'd be this good. And so um, let me ask you about that, that, that experiment you did online uh, where, where people watch your portfolio and you raise your, your, your crypto uh, value from what you said, 20,000 to 5 million. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, tell me about that. Like, what was that like? Uh, did you expect that to happen? First of all, <laughs> and, then, and then as uh, it was happening, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely wanted it to happen. I'm not sure if I expected it to happen that fast, honestly. But it was one big roller coaster ride because I was it was 2017, and my goal was to quit my job and become financially free by the end of the year and go out on my own as an entrepreneur and just making my own money. And I looked at everything I was doing, and crypto was the best thing for me. Right, I basically 80 20 everything I was doing, and crypto was the best way to make money passively. Because I could make money investing uh, through my sleep, basically, right? But just having assets that were very undervalued, that could rise and had lots of potential for explosive growth. Uh, initially, I was kind of just more gambling, so to speak. Uh, I was just buying whatever. Then I realized I had, to, I had to find a better strategy and way to invest in crypto. And me working in analytics, uh, working at IBM Watson, I then looked at myself and I said, what is my edge? And my edge was working with data and with numbers. So I just fired up a spreadsheet on Google Sheets, gathered as much data as I could on ICOs. And I gathered all this data and I was trying to find hidden patterns in the data in terms of the cryptocurrencies that performed well. What did did they have in common? And I think after going through, I think it was over 100 ICOs, I, I noticed a pattern. And the biggest predictor for success was the team. The team had, came from a credible background, whether they worked for a Fortune 100 company uh, like IBM, Google, Amazon, the Facebooks of the world, or they had worked on a big project in the crypto space in the past, for example, being a Bitcoin core developer. Then the next thing was also uh, the token metrics. So looking at the actual numbers, how much they raised during the ICO, did they raise at a large valuation? Did they raise at a low valuation? And I gathered all this data, put it into a spreadsheet, added a bunch of colors, and then turn that into a way to grade and evaluate upcoming ICOs. So initially, it was just kind of me working kind of like a mad scientist. And I, I began to just live stream my process of working on the spreadsheet and researching these companies. Uh, and after a while, I was like, you know what? Time to put my money where my mouth is. And I began investing uh, in these ICOs using the spreadsheet. And back then, ICOs were basically viewed as scams. Uh, about four out of five ended up being scams where the, you, you either got scammed, lost your money, and it went to zero, right? And during that time, using the, this data-driven approach to investing, 
we had a success rate of four out of five ICOs making us a 5X return or higher, basically 500% or higher. So that was pretty much unheard of at that time. So that's kind of when the ICO bubble began to kind of peak up because now people were saying, okay, there's a way to actually make money investing in ICOs and crypto using a data-driven approach. Uh, so at the peak, the spreadsheet was getting over a million views a month uh, back in January, 2018. Uh, and it got too influential to a point I had to actually take it down because it was moving the market. Too many people were using it to, to now just blindly invest. Uh, and that kind of scared <laughs> me because I don't want that, that much responsibility. I wanted people to do, do their own research. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, and, and the thing is that, I mean, you know, you, you were... Uh, doing this amazing thing, and and uh, and m- money definitely draws attention when people see something that's working. Um, they they you know you're going to draw a lot of eyeballs, and I'm wondering how that plays out. And you know if if it did, did you know get to the point where, as you said, it was moving the market. I can imagine. I can only imagine what it was doing to the the smaller coins with smaller amounts of market volume. Um, you know you're going to draw attention from regulators. I would imagine. Uh, you know because it, it seems yes. to me that there's still ambiguity from the SEC in terms of how they decide whether a cryptocurrency is a currency or, um, or, uh, it, um, security. Uh, security. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was like stock. No, not stock security. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about that. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Uh, this XRP thing, you know, I, I was real concerned about XRP being targeted by the SEC. I know there's a new chairman now. Um, do you think that this XRP, uh, thing is going to keep going because they actually mentioned, the previous um, SEC chairman wrote a letter to Jay Clayton, uh, who was the outgoing SEC chair under Trump, basically saying that, you know, if you could do this XRP, you could do this to Ethereum, too. Um, do you think that it, it can keep going in that direction or do you think that this XRP thing is going to go away or do you think it's going to be isolated to just XRP and a couple other coins or or do you think all the big boys should be worried as well? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, so the current the new SEC chairman, uh, Gary Gensler. Uh, has been on record in the past saying that he also believes XRP is a security in the manner of how it operates. Uh, and I think I, I think this is, in my opinion, actually, I do agree with uh, the SEC in terms of XRP possibly being a security. And I think this case will become a case study in terms of what other projects will have to do. Whether XRP is deemed a security or not, if it is, this will change the entire landscape. Other projects now will have to either stop operating because other because exchanges or people in the crypto space will view, view them as securities or they'll have to modify, they'll have to adapt. And I think this clarity will take a while to come. I think it's going to take probably a couple of years because SEC moves pretty slow. So I think this battle with Ripple will last a couple of years. Now, I think XRP is going to be hindered in terms of growing, right? So that's why I don't think XRP at the moment is really uh, a safe investment because mm-hmm. I, the company Ripple was basically running XRP, even though it's meant to be totally separate. They controlled the largest supply. They owned over 50% of the supply. And by owning over 50% of the supply, they're able to basically control the market. So in the case uh, against XRP, they were claiming that Ripple, the company, was trying to pay for exchange listings. They had a market maker who was creating liquidity and also timing whenever they, they would sell uh, because the management team, the founders, uh, uh, Brad Garlington, uh, Garlington and the other guy, they sold, I think, 
hundreds of millions of dollars of XRP. At one point, they were one of the richest people in the world. They were billionaires, right? Oh. For the coin they created where they controlled the majority of the supply. Now, even in crypto, the ethos is the coin should be owned by the community, meaning that over 50% of the supply should be owned by the community. This was mm -hmm. actually a metric I would also look at in terms of investing in, crypt in cryptocurrencies and ICOs because projects where the community owned more than half were really community-driven projects. And that's mm -hmm. where the concept of being decentralized comes from. It's kind of like having a company where the majority vote is by, by the community. There is, there is no single investor who can unilaterally decide what to do with the company. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So it almost sounds like it would it be accurate to say that a big chunk of the crypto community has a big problem with XRP and Ripple and kind of how they do business. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so what I'm guessing here is, is, is one possibility is they could, you know, because we know they're going to come in with the regulation. So the police are going to make their presence known. So it almost, it, it, one possibility I see is that they, they come in and you've, you've got this group of people that are all kind of doing similar things. Uh, but you know, one guy is a, a little bit more of a criminal than, than the others, right? Like, like the others, anybody could be defined as a criminal if they choose to, but they're not going to do that. They grab the person who, it, where everyone doesn't like that guy anyway, and he's he's clearly breaking the law, you know, in their interpretation. And they take that person away, and they say everything's fine as long as you don't do what this guy does. And everyone says, okay, we won't do what he does uh, because we don't like him anyway. It, it seems to me like something like that. So so it's like sort of as you were, like you can continue to operate. Just know that you are going to be scrutinized, and the regulators are going to be present, and we're not going to allow you to do what they did with XRP. That's what, that's what I'm seeing. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. So XRP is going to be, to be made an example, whether that's yeah. good or bad, they will be the example in crypto. Uh, it's yeah. kind of the same thing happened with telegram with the, with their case, the SEC went after them uh, and it really showed people what not to do in terms of raising capital privately for a token shell. Right. And one of the reasons why, now Telegram by legal people in the crypto space is viewed as an example is because they raised money over, I think it was almost a billion dollars, maybe even over a billion dollars by issuing a token for a network that was not fully operational, meaning that their blockchain had not yet launched. So now going forward, any crypto company, any blockchain company that's trying to issue their own token they have to wait until the network is fully operational, until the product is actually live and can be used. Hmm. Otherwise, they'll be going down the same path as Telegram. Ah, interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, <clears throat> I'll tell you what, uh, for the sake of full disclosure, listening to you talk in this conversation has led me to conclude that I probably want to get rid of my XRP. I was going to hold on to it, um, you know, because I thought maybe the case was going to go away because I'm not... Yeah. I, I wasn't real. I, I felt like it could go either way, but I didn't think they were going to mess with XRP because they were so big and powerful and everything else. But I agree with you. I think XRP could be used as an example, in which case um, I'm not going to sit and put my money in the line. I'd rather put it in safer spaces. So um, so this is good. This is good stuff. So thank you um, for this conversation. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And everybody, please uh, give this brother a digital uh, thank you, digital round of applause. This is Ian Belima. Belina, Belina with an N, right? Yes, Ian Belina. Ian Belina, uh, he's the founder and CEO of Token Metrics. Uh, his uh, his social media handle is Diary of a Made Man. You can check that out. 
And uh, he's a walking, living, breathing, walking example of something that I would show our 17-year-old about how um, technology mixed with an understanding of business and entrepreneurship can uh, take you to amazing places. So if you got kids at home or if you are young enough to want to do this yourself, just make sure that you understand that. I mean, that's what's driving economics everywhere, uh, technology, and then mixing, fusing that with investing in entrepreneurship. That's how people are winning right now. So, um, so keep that in mind. So uh, everybody <clears throat> also, again, if you want to, if you want to take a look at my crypto portfolio, you can go to drboyscrypto.com and take a look. Also Ian's platform is tokenmetrics.com, right? Yes. Tokenmetrics.com. Tokenmetrics.com. And, uh, and I'm going to uh, invite the brother back uh, because he's very smart. And there's some other uh, very smart crypto uh, folks that we're connected with. But I wanted to talk to Ian one on one because uh, I because I just I think what you did was amazing. That whole five million dollar experiment. I think that's really awesome. man. I'm very proud of you for that. Or I respect that. I don't want to talk about you like you're a kid or anything. But <laughs> Thank you. you know, I appreciate I, that. I'm 49, right? It happens, right? So uh, everybody have a good day and uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out. And Ian, uh, stick around for one second after we're done. Uh, I'm going to just uh, follow up with you as well. So uh, take care, everybody. Have a good day. Uh, we'll see you soon. Peace. Thank you.